0: This morning, let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're not returning yet to our expositions of this book, but we're jumping ahead to pick up a wonderful verse for this Christmas Sunday as our text. Chapter 9 and verse 15. When we do get back to our expositions, we'll be back a a couple of chapters uh, and take it in order. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15 is our text this morning and a special welcome to those who may be watching our live stream or watching the video later on. God bless you and welcome. May his word bring you hope and help and we hope that you'll join us in worship here in person with us. Verse 15 is very short and very succinct and very, very true. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. We're going to talk about that this morning. May God's word bless those who hear, believe, and obey it. Uh, There's a typical question that's asked the day after Christmas, which happens to be today, or as you meet your friends. If you didn't already notice their Facebook post about all the gifts they got, you usually ask, what did you get for Christmas And it's not just the children that ask. Sometimes uh, older folks will ask uh, to get any good books or uh, would you have a good meal? We, We ask. And we ask about gifts because it's part of the Christmas tradition to give gifts and receive gifts. And telling about those gifts brings many smiles. I still remember the Christmas many years ago when just somewhere over here there was a deacon and his son brought one of his Christmas gifts to church, a dinosaur that had battery-powered movement and sound. And uh, when his father realized that and was about to take the toy, the movement and sound was activated. In the midst of the service, this T-Rex. But I won't use Dwight Chamberlain's son's name. (laughs) Um, gifts Uh, there are some uh, maybe here or maybe you've met them that say we don't exchange gifts we just focus on the spiritual aspect of Christmas well I I don't mind bursting their bubble of pretension but gifts are a very central part of Christmas not that it's required but it is a reflection of Of a gift giving God. And that's where it comes from. The joy and provision of God for his people leads to the outflow of giving gifts to others. Just today in the United Kingdom, it's Boxing Day. Anybody know what Boxing Day is about? It's not a sport. It's a Christmas tradition where uh, originally it started, I don't know where the name came from, but it started by giving gifts to the poor the day after Christmas. Out of your feasting, out of your abundance, you would give it is part of the Christian tradition and it's part of the Christmas story, the giving and receiving of gifts. And there, there can be obviously crass and sinful, uh, materialistic pursuits in the midst of that. Uh, human beings who are sinners spoil every good perfect practice. But don't dismiss it because our celebrations, our giving and receiving of gifts reflects the greatest gift that was given, the gift of Jesus. And this morning I want to talk about that greatest gift, but also a few other gifts that come with him, accessories included, to use a very crass analogy. And I didn't hand out my typical sermon outline sheet so you don't know where we're going. Kind of like a gift. You wonder, what's that big one in the back that has the shiny wrap? A little ploy to keep your attention this Christmas morning, Sunday morning. But first and foremost, we want to point out, as the scriptures do, and as our text here does, God gave his Son to be our Savior as the greatest gift ever given. We all know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that what? He, what's the verb? He gave. That's referring to a gift. That's referring to the act of grace. God gave his only begotten son. A gift is at the center of Christmas. All the Old Testament promises pointed to that. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Pointed to Jesus. The Messiah, the one who would come. God gave many promises. God built in the Old Testament all these pictures to point to that provision. Here in Second Corinthians 9, verse 15, it's the, the summary statement of a paragraph about giving and stewardship and collections and offerings, but it kicks it up a whole new notch. As Paul not only writes to people saying thanks for sharing in the big offering that we collected. He goes beyond to say, I know, I know why you do that, why we do that, because God has given us such a gift. And so his doxological climax here in verse 15 says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Well, what gift is Paul referring to here? Let's look in the previous verse. Well, he's talking about them. And what gift is Paul talking about? Well, in the context of this letter, we go back to chapter 8. And we see the gift that he's talking about. Chapter 8 and verse 9. If you have your Bibles here at home, follow along. Turn the page. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. As Paul describes that gift. For you know the grace, the gift the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor that bu- that you by his poverty might become rich did you see that expression of christmas and in the incarnation though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor that means Christmas story that means incarnation what happened at Bethlehem 2,000 years ago was not only prophesied in the Bible it came about the incarnation because God gifted us a savior and salvation he became poor that's talking about Christmas so that by his poverty we might become rich And it's not just talking about material goods, although God does provide for the righteous. It's talking about forgiveness, pardon, adoption, and our heavenly inheritance. Preacher John Piper said, in other words, a huge gift comes to you by his poverty. The meaning of Christ stooping down to become man was to raise up his family to glory. Amazing. The very essence of Christmas, he says, includes a divine overflow of generosity, kindness, grace, giving, doing for us, giving to us what we could never do for ourselves or get on our own. There are a lot of people who don't get what they want on Christmas, so they go out on Monday and buy it. I'm going to get that anyways. That's what I really wanted. And some people have the means to do that. But that short circuits the exchange, the process. It means in giving and receiving gifts, you're in a relationship and you're expressing some care and generosity one to another. And it's a picture of God giving his son. Now the text says it's an inexpressible gift. What? what, what, Inexpressible? Well, Paul's trying to express it. But what does he mean by that? You see that verse sometimes emblazoned on a Christmas card, right? Uh, uh, Merry Christmas, and in the corner there's a scripture verse, and it's absolutely true, because that verse, I believe, does refer to Christmas and the Incarnation. But we also live in a world where TV commercials pitch us the perfect gift, and in 30 or 60 seconds they try to tell us all its perfections. And if they can do that in 30 or 60 seconds, it's not that great a gift compared to this. What Paul means by using this word, and it's a one-time-in-the-Bible type of word, very limited use in actually ancient Greek, uh, and it's a very hard word to pronounce. I'm not even going to remember to try it. But it means indescribable. It means, in a very positive way, too wonderful for words. It it's, extends beyond... Narrative description, common adjectives. Paul is speechless. Paul, the inspired spokesman who could say a great many things very well, just stands there. It's an indescribable gift because he's referring to Jesus and the incarnation. The scholar Simon Kistemacher said, For Paul, the, the thought of God giving his son to mankind is astonishing. And he sees the glorious results in the faith that both Jew and Gentile place in Jesus Christ, in the breaking down of racial barriers in the ancient world, and in the unity of the Christian church. Presently, Kistemacher continues, the church of Jesus Christ is spanning the globe so that everywhere Christians gather and worship the Lord. Paul saw God's kingdom advancing from Jerusalem to Rome and parts of the Roman Empire. In our times, we witness its worldwide growth, power, and influence, all from this indescribable gift. If there's one day out of 365, That brings the world to a halt. It's acknowledging the birth of Christ. Even though the world may not fully understand the role Jesus plays in it. It's a holiday. It's a celebration. Christ. Makes the world stand still. To honor him. The gift that was given. And what's exciting this morning that I want to tell you is not only has God given us a Savior, but the Savior gives us additional gifts. It, it, it's like you open one box on Christmas morning, you pull something out, and then you say, oh, there's more than one thing here. There, there's an abundance of things that are given. It's interesting in Paul's uh, theological letter to the Romans, Romans 8, verse 32. Romans 8 is a chapter we ought to know so well. Verse 32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So there's the premise. God gave his son. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's in the Bible. If God did this on Christmas Eve, on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago, Paul's logic is this. Won't God give us everything else that we need? If he's given us the best, the greatest, the most significant gift, these other things will all be in proper place? Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, there's a beautiful parallel to that in verse 8. As Paul's talking about giving, and he had just said God loves a cheerful giver in verse 7, but in verse 8 he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's what's in Paul's mind when he sees that all these things that come to the Christian with Christ, they're primarily spiritual things. And he does like that word all. God is able to make all grace Abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Not just on Christmas, not just on Sunday, not just in the good times. But in all times. You may abound in every good work. God blesses us spiritually. And in every related way. To do the work he gives us to do. To be Christian witnesses. To be a spouse, a parent, a friend. One who confronts or one who comforts. Whatever God calls you to do, no matter how difficult the times are for doing it, God supplies. He's called you. He's enlisted you. He's saved you. He's redeemed you. Given you new life to spend. And he gives you every help To spend and to serve your life. So there are other gifts. But before I talk about a couple of those other gifts. Let me just pause and make sure you've opened the primary gift. Christ is the key. Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you simply admiring the packaging? It makes sense but will you open it? Will you by faith understand that Christ is given for me? Before my life is cleaned up, before I understand it all, before I feel it, by faith I will believe that Christ is who he said he is and that this salvation can be mine and the Savior will love me and bring me home. Don't leave this gift unopened. This of all days. Why go on living or breathing if you have not Christ today? I can think of so many other reasons to implore you to know Christ. But in his beauty and his simplicity, God has made that already clear. It's a gift, the gift of life, eternal life in Christ. But with Christ, we're given two other gifts, at least two others, but two that I want to highlight. And I want to run through several scriptures uh, to show you, and help you appreciate all the gifts that come with knowing Christ. Secondly, God gives us his word. God gives us his word. If you have a Bible in your hands, that's what we're talking about. Those 66 inspired and holy things, these books. Of course, initially, God gave us Jesus, the living word. If you know Romans, excuse me, John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We had an opportunity to see him through the scriptures, to see the living word he came to make the father known. He doesn't speak on his own accord, but what the father gives him to speak. And the miracles he does are simply to testify to his authority. He came to talk about the forgiveness of sins. And when people scoffed and laughed, who does he think he is? It's easy to say that. He said, yeah, it's easy to say that, but how about this? Take up your palate and walk, he said to the paralytic. I can not only heal your broken bones, I can heal your broken soul. And Jesus, the living word, communicated to us his mission and the Father's disposition of grace towards those who believe he came to make the father known john 17:26 you know many seek for god in astrology i heard somebody the other day just thinking oh so and so's a capricorn or so and so's a pisces and do these things have meaning do they actually add to our life can we find god and truth in such things or will we listen to the son of god and the word of god Jesus didn't uh, come simply to uh, accomplish a mission. He came to leave a testimony and a teaching. Do you remember the great commission given to the church? Matthew 28, that pronouncement, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, said the resurrected Jesus. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them all that I've commanded. With Jesus, we receive the Word of God as a gift. The Bible is the written Word of God. Turn with me to John 14. We're going to sample a few verses there now and uh, later. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. Jesus was still around. Jesus was teaching in John 14, but he speaks of things yet to come in verses 25 and 26. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but, so that's a contrasting conjunction. I've spoken, I'm the living word, I'm teaching you, but, and he's going to describe what comes after him. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Why does Jesus want remembered the things that he said? Because he wants us to have his word, his instruction to guide us, to guard us. And he was speaking primarily to his apostles. And by the Holy Spirit, the apostles would complete the word of God. They'd write its books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The apostles and those who served alongside them. And we have 27 books of the New Testament to add to 39 books in the Old Testament. If I do the math correctly, that should still be 66 books in our Bible. The complete word of God for the church to guide you and to guide me. The Bible, the written word of God is our gift planned and foretold by Jesus. That was John 14. Look with me at John 16 for a verse or two. And you'll hear the pattern. John 16, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When, so he's talking about this future gift, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus planned and foretold the gift of the scriptures, the book that we have in our laps. He said, expect it and heed it. One of the people in that room was certainly Peter. The Apostle Peter heard those words, and when he wrote his portion of the New Testament, inspired by the Spirit of God, he references this inscripturation process. You can listen or turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. He speaks this way. Um, let's see, 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 16. He says, We did not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majest, majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We have the gift of the Bible, the written word of God, and you can read that book, understand that book, and know what God is like and what God will do. He's made promises and he's put them in writing. What a precious gift to have the words of God in our own language, translated from the ancient tongues so that we can read and understand as Jesus intended. One more thing about the written word of God. Second Timothy 3.16 calls it profitable, calls it profitable. I hope you know those verses about the word of God. As uh, Paul writes to Timothy, he extols the scriptures and makes that claim that is rather famous, that uh, All Scripture is God-breathed. Let me read it to you. 2 Timothy 3.16 and verse 17 as well. Here we go. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, there's the word, we'll come back to it, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Oh wait, I can be equipped for everything I need to do to please God? How? By the word of God, the scriptures. That mean, the word simply means holy writings. The Bible will equip you and make you profitable. Not just in worldly sense. This word profitable, what does it mean? It means useful, beneficial, serviceable. When Paul wrote his first letter to Timothy, he said the scriptures hold promise for the present life and also for the life to come. They are profitable. In Titus 3, another uh, pastoral epistle written to a young pastor He would write this in verse 8: The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves unto good works. These things are excellent and profitable for the people. That was my theme verse in seminary, saying it is worth laboring to make God's word known. These things are profitable, these things are excellent. For the people. God gave you a book. Not as a ball and chain for your life. But as a light. And a compass. And a comfort. And an inheritance. It is so many things. The word of God. Well if you were enumerating the gifts that come with the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God is certainly there. But you must also be thinking of the other tremendous gift the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit in time fails us to, to even really draw attention to that as much as it needs to be. But Jesus constantly spoke that when you receive him, he would never leave you, but he would send his spirit to be with us forever. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. It is a gift to those who believe to be indwelt with the very Spirit of God. The same Spirit that was with Jesus during his days on earth. The same Spirit that is present with God in heaven is with us and indwells us. We saw that when we read from John 14 and John 16. As Jesus talked about the words that were yet to come, the New Testament... The key bringer of those words was the Holy Spirit. He would inspire the apostles and bring about the New Testament. And he would give us understanding. There's one verse that, that really shocked a lot of people when they first heard Jesus speak it. From John 16 verse 7. He says, I tell you, to the, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. You can see the heads of those apostles snap. What did you just say? It's going to be better for us if you go away. And if Jesus did pause there, I'm sure it was with a smile and a twinkle, for he knew what he was about to say. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's to our advantage. Jesus has that great gift. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit for all who believe. Receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works new life in us. We know the story of John 3 as Jesus interacted with a teacher of Israel. Who was focused on the law. And Jesus says, well... Man must be born again, born of the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit who takes the work of Christ and gives it birth in us. That's described as well in Romans 8 where it contrasts uh, living in the flesh and living in the Spirit. It's the Spirit who gives animation to anything that's genuinely spiritual and supernatural in us. And it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us and grows us. And that was... Forecast in John 14 and John 16. But when Paul writes to those Corinthians in his first letter, he makes reference to that. 1 Corinthians 2, the role of the Holy Spirit as teacher. What a tremendous gift and what a necessary gift. As Paul talks about uh, God has uh, revealed many things to them. He says these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The gift of Jesus, the gift of the word and the gift of the Holy Spirit to understand the word and to have it bear spiritual fruit in us. What a beautiful thing. And you know, if we, if we had another hour, we'd go on to talk about how the Holy Spirit gives gifts, right? We've heard about that. The Holy Spirit has spiritual gifts and every believer has at least one spiritual gifts. You can read about them in 1 Corinthians 12 or in Romans 12, or in Ephesians 4, the gifts of the Spirit. My friends, what do we conclude this morning? But our God is a giving God. And there's another word for giving and gift. It's grace. We've been talking about a God of grace who showed us grace while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Behold what manner of love the father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. And when we participate as Christians in gift giving, it's an act of grace, can be and should be. What did you get for Christmas? And I'm not talking about yesterday. What did you get? Because Christ came to earth on the first Christmas. A savior. A friend, a shepherd. An inheritance in his father's house. In my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. Because we will never lose Jesus if we've received him. No one can snatch us out of his hands. It's a permanent gift. And with him, his word for light and help here and now in this broken world and the spirit of God to help us understand his word and to serve him. God's given us everything, everything for life and godliness. Hey, in closing, I want to, turn a corner and say, God has given us so lavishly, how do we react to this? Here's three things, and it involves us giving. First, we give to God our praise and thanks and worship. I hope that's why we're here. Because of the gift he's given, we can't help but to gather and praise him and to rejoice in our great God who gives. We need to express our thanks, our hope, our love to him. And... As it's been said in our literature, we need to keep Christmas in our hearts every day and be changed. We also need to give something to one another. We need to give one another grace. Memory verse I've been working on during Advent from Philippians says we need to count others more highly than ourselves. We need to give Grace, time, love, consideration one to another. We need to use our spiritual gifts for the building up of others, not just for us to be seen as having a gift, but so that others are helped. And finally, we give not only to one another in the body of Christ, but we have something to give the world. The people out there, as we typically say, but they're the people in your family tree they're the people in your workplace they're the people in your neighborhood you have something for them not that emergency gift or the re-gifting of that whatever it was that you received no we have Jesus you have the gift that can change the course of history for a human being for a family Don't hold back. Give freely that gift. Don't just sing joy to the world, but tell others how they can have that joy for themselves. Break forth with testimony and give. Be givers like your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, You've given us such a wonderful Christmas, regardless of what our parents give us or our friends, our spouse. Oh, you've given us from your very heart the expression of love in Jesus. Father, forgive us for not fully appreciating that gift. Forgive us for taking him or our Bibles or the spirit of God for granted. Oh, Father, forgive us. And may we have a fresh appreciation and resolve to appreciate you and these gifts and to make the most of these gifts with the life you give us each and every day. May this be our life of worship, our act of worship, our gift of gratitude to you, Father, for the good of all around us. Oh, Father, thank you for meeting with your people here today and blessing us so richly. Answer all our prayers for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.